Good morning. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Ryan Berlin on 55KRC, the talk station. You are listening to Align Your Health. This is the show about maximizing your health without dangerous drugs and surgery. And this week, I'm sitting here with my lovely bride, Ashley, and uh, we're following up from last week's show where we were uh, talking about building lasting immunity and really the power of prevention, specifically talking about cancer. And part of the reason we're doing this in a three-part series is we have an awesome event coming up. Right, Ash? Yes, we do. It's going to be really incredible. Give them some details on uh, what where they can go to uh, find out about it and when it is. Right, absolutely. So um, our talk called Lasting Immunity, Prevention is Powerful, specifically going over cancer, um, is going to be on October 4th. And it's going to be at 6.30 p.m. And it will be at Crossroads Mason on their campus. So, yep. Yeah, and, and you can also go to drryanlive.com and you can click on speaking and you can sign up there to um, save your seat. It's completely free. Um, you can bring as many guests as you'd like. And it's going to be a really fun night. Yeah, pretty excited about it because we already have lots of registrations coming in. So it's going to be a big, um, big evening. Lots of fun. We're going to have some vendors there who are going to be um, uh, promoting um, just healthy options in the area. Because one of the things we know about cancer and we talked about last week is it's not something that just magically strikes you. It's something we build over years and years and years. In fact, we gave that example last time about how cancer cells uh, replicate every 90 days. And uh, basically, 90 days, two cells, one year, 16 cells, you keep going. By the time you get to five years, you're at a million cells, still undetectable. By the time you get to eight years, you're at four trillion cells. Your cancer has now doubled 32 times and has four trillion cells. It's incredible. Pretty crazy. And uh, at 40 doublings, which is approximately 10 years, is when cancer is considered lethal. But in most cases, you can't even find it till year seven. Yep. So we want to talk about how do we build health, what, what types of things, um, products, uh, foods, different things that we can be using to uh, start getting into our nutrition, into our lifestyles, uh, you know, different companies, maybe, um, you know, cleaning if your office or your house, you know, vendors for that. But also um, we're going to be teaching about like thermography, which we'll be talking about um, a little bit in this segment, next segment, but thermography and different things you can be doing um, versus conventional, conventional uh, detection methods. So it's going to be an awesome event. You're going to want to be there. Doors open, I believe, at 6 is what we have on the... Um, yep, doors open at 6. We'll start right we'll at 6.30. We'll start at 6.30. So make yep. sure you're there and your uh, butt is in a seat and ready to <laughs> rock and roll by 6.30. So That's right. Hey, Ash, do me a favor and recap. So we went through last week. Pretty much last week was all about... Uh, we kind of, we kind of, you know, the emperor has no clothes analogy where we kind of... Uh, Call, call it out for what it is on cancer and talked about what it is and what it isn't. Right. And there was a lot of paradigm shifts happening last week. And so, listen, we're going to do the recap right now. And if any of this strikes you as, whoa, wait a second, like, I don't understand that. Or, or hey, I, that sounds interesting. Like, walk me through your logic there. Um, check out the podcast. You can go on iTunes and you can search Align Your Health and you can find a replay of the podcast there. Um, or you can go on DrRyanLive.com and you can click on podcasts and you can find it there. So last week we talked about, um, number one, that cancer is normal. Everybody, every day, even in healthy bodies, produces 
thousands of cancer cells daily, yet not everyone is diagnosed with cancer because the body is supposed to manage and kill those cells. So that's a fundamental principle that we addressed last week. I like that. Right. Exactly. And then, um, One of the next principles that we talked about last week is that cancer is an adaptation, that cancer involves mutations of normal, healthy cells that results in changes in a cell's DNA. Right. So um, while while really in a medical community, while that um, that community has often seen that these mutations are random gene expressions, there's actually a growing body of medical research that suggests that these mutations are not random, but they're following survival patterns. And this is something you've been studying a lot with epigenetics and uh, polymorphisms. Like you just use the word mutation, but the better word is polymorphism because right. our genes can change for what we what we would think is the worst, which actually is a survival technique. Right. And then they can also change back for what we would call the better, which is right. when you're healing. Yes. And and if you follow, um, you know, I've been blessed enough to be able to study with some of the like leading experts um, in, in terms of genetics. And if you follow Dr. William Walsh at all, check out some of his research. He has really walked people through um, on a cellular level, being able to understand that genes um, only move, they, they can only uh have movement or change, turn on and off through um, the effect of the environment. So it's really a brilliant. So what we eat, what we breathe, what chemicals we... we come in contact with, yes. our thoughts, yes. our stress, our, our our own hormones. Yes, like our environments matter more. Yes, our environment you know, matter more. You know, you were talking about the the so going back to the cells. These cells you talked about survival. So their chain, their their structures are changing in order to survive against the environment, like you said. Um, and the environment is, it's an environmental assault on the body, basically. So these cells are replicating as fast as they can. They're throwing up defense mechanisms and they're really trying to preserve their own existence. And that's why last week we talked about the cancer cells are actually technically the healthy cells right. in an unsurvivable environment to normal cells. They're right. actually the strong cells. They're not really healthy, but they're ad- they're adapting to a, a bad environment yep. and they're learning how to survive. Yep. And they're the strong ones because they're they're the ones that are adapting. Hey, and I I, I want to put one last point on this, um, like one last exclamation point on the work that um, William Walsh did in conjunction with Bruce Lipton. You guys, um, they actually proved scientifically that prayer matters, that prayer actually affects change in your body, and that is such a beautiful thing and and such a like wonderful message that we're able to communicate with our patients and with you know everyone listening right now is that your prayer actually on a cellular level affects change in your body go on youtube check out bruce lipton see some of his work on that because it's well and one of the things we're going to go over in just a little bit is how effective some of these treatments really are and when you find out that and listen closely to this one when you find out that cancer only has a two percent net effect only 2% of people survive as a result of chemotherapy, yep. rather. Chemotherapy, yep. Um, when, you, when you find that out, only 2%, then the power of prayer, I think, really does come in. And scientifically being able to prove that it has an effect, you know, when people realize that, like, we're not... Sometimes it seems so insurmountable, like, you're thinking you're praying for this massive thing, right. but really, like, people depend on chemotherapy and it only has a 2% net effect on cancer. Right. Only 2% of people actually five years later are still living. And, and, and the effect of prayer is tremendously more impactful All right, than so, that. So last one we talked about last week was cancer not being a symptom or not being a disease, but actually the symptom of a sick body. 
break that down a little bit. Right, right. And so this is this is really actually beautiful. And this is very promising. It's that cancer can't flourish in a healthy body. Like it literally can't. Cancer shows up when a person is sick. So ultimately, cancer is a symptom and not a disease. It's a side effect that occurs when a body is not functioning and healing at a high level. And so it's allowing those bad cells to accumulate in abundance. Your immune functions, your immune support systems are operating. When all of those things are operating optimally, your body will deploy cancer-killing cells and chemicals at the right time, at the right places, um, because God designed us beautifully and we know how to fight off cancer inherently inside of our bodies. We just have to have the right system to fight them off. So, yeah, that's a huge point. Awesome. So, so, so number one, cancer being normal, it happens. It's in every one of our bodies. It's an adaptation process, so it only gets out of hand when our bodies, our environments are bad. And then lastly, it's literally um, the symptom of the body getting sick, not the other way around. So those are some of the things we went over last week, and I just wanted to recap that because that's the foundation for this week, because this week we're going to talk about conventional methods of treatment. And unfortunately, most of us know people who went through these conventional methods. I know I did. My grandfather went through cancer treatment. My grandmother went through cancer treatment. My My, mom went through cancer treatment. Your mom, my uncle. Yep. And... um, I'm sure everyone listening has a laundry list of people that they know, that they love. And your friends. mom, out of everyone that we just named, is the only one who survived it. But my mom did the least amount. She actually she did the least she amount of conventional, and radiation. she did the most amount of the other things we're going to be talking about over right. the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, and again, I, I just want you guys to say, I want you guys to know, whatever method you pick, um, because of the stuff that Ashley was talking about, prayer, and with the stuff we understand from a mindset perspective... When you understand that your brain is controlling and regulating all functions in your body, this is why chiropractic is so huge is because the nervous system connection. So your thoughts are literally, you know, brain activity, your brain function, and even, even how we think about our treatments makes a big impact because our body's listening and communicating to our organs, tissues, and cells, and it's doing it through the nervous system. So one of the big things in chiropractic is no matter what you have, whether it's cancer, whether it's uh, the flu, whether it's a sniffle or an ear infection... There's never a situation where you're better off with interference to your nerve system. And chiropractic is a science of removing interference to the nerve system so the body can flourish. We don't treat anything. We remove interference and give the body its best ability to heal to its God-given potential. So I'm um, just going to mention our phone number because that, that right there may have set some of you guys back being like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all this, but what if my nerve system is shutting down? What if my nerve system is damaged? How in the world am I going to heal? What if I'm trying to do other non-conventional treatments? What if I'm trying to take some supplements? What if I'm trying to eat the right foods? What if I'm trying to get oxygenation therapy, all this, but my nerve system's damaged? How is my body going to respond well if my nerve system's not functioning? So our phone number to, to come into the office, get checked out, because every week we tell you guys, we have five appointments open only to you guys listening, and we fill those up every week. And then beyond that, you know, we have re- uh, patients who are referring other people into our office, so we, c- we can't open up so many. But if you want to get one of those five appointments, the phone number is 513-755-3583. And uh, just call and talk to um, one of my staff. We'll be answering the phone and, and scheduling that. Also, if you're going to go through chemotherapy, if you're going to go through radiation, if you're going to go through surgery, or you're going to go through, you know... Any of these different treatments, whether it's insulin potentiation therapy or uh, any, any conventional or non-conventional treatment, you have to understand that your nervous system still is responsible because it is what's going to start causing your body to heal and recover. So chemotherapy kills cancer cells, but also kills healthy tissue cells. 
Yep. And what's the best way that you can possibly, your body can regenerate and heal and build new health. Every cells? cell in your body knows how to heal, but it's right. waiting and in, 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 in responding to communications from the nervous system in order for that uh, healing to take place. So your nervous system, your brain is, is doing the coordination and communication of the healing, organizing the cells and restructuring tissue and all that. So if you're destroying healthy tissue through a conventional treatment, then you have to keep the nervous system healthy. So that being said, I think that was a powerful intro. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the conventional methods of cancer treatment. And unfortunately, um, you know, we, we refer to them by what they really do, which is cut, poison, and burn. Um, so what we're talking about is surgery, we're talking about chemotherapy, and we're talking about radiation. Right. Now there's, you know, there's other things. There's immunotherapy, there's targeted therapy, there's stem cell therapy, hormonal therapy. But the big three, like those are ones that are new on the scene because guess what? The big three are largely ineffective long-term for curing someone of cancer. Right. Right. And we're not the people who invented the terms cut, poison, and burn. And we're not the first people to ever talk about this. There's a lot of resources out there. but here, uh, And I, I don't even like using those words. I wish right. we didn't have to use those, but that's just the truth. That's just the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so and so what we're, what we're talking about right now here is really a compilation of a lot of the latest research on cut, poison, and burn, and then really unpacking in a powerful way um, um, what all of that actually looks like. And so, you know, for some of you, Right now, you're sitting there, you're thinking, um, I'm going to go ahead and get on the phone. I'm going to make an appointment. You can give us a call, 513-755-3583, or you can go on the web, alignhealthcenter.com. And make sure you go on uh, Dr. Ryan Live, click on speaking, and make sure you get signed up for the event. When we return, we're talking about cut, poison, burn when it comes to cancer and conventional cancer therapies. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Ryan Berlin, 55KRC, The Talk Station. You're listening to Align Your Health. We're talking cancer. We're talking immunity. We're talking building lasting immunity and how powerful prevention is. Today, we're specifically talking about the conventional treatments and how we, how we end up getting there in the first place. So we're going to take a few minutes and really talking about the screening business um, when it comes to cancer. Um, at any point in time you're listening, uh, feel free to give us a call at the office at 513-755-3583. We're going to be talking about an event we have coming up, giving you some details on that. Um, if you've missed the first part of the show, go back and listen on the podcast. But uh, right now, I just really want to get into the screening. So the first thing is <clears throat> any screening method, Ash, like you and I talk about this a lot. So any right. screening method when it comes to cancer, um, basically... I mean, if you're lucky, you go in for some routine blood work and they might see some stuff in your blood work and catch it, you know, at that point. But in most cases, when people find out they have cancer, it's due to MRI, mammography, um, or some type of screening, right? Right. They're usually finding tumor-sized cancer at that point. Right. Right? So if it's tumor-sized, one of the things we talked about last week is it's roughly, it's hundreds of millions of cells in your body at that point, 400 million plus. Right. That means based on the stats we shared last week, you've already had this cancer for like seven years or so. Yeah. 
So at that point, even when we find it, so you're not symptomatic, you feel fine, and we would call this in most cases early detection. This is what a lot of treat, uh, a lot of screenings aim for is detecting it before you, you're symptomatic or or dying of it. But at this point, if you find it's tumor size, you're about seven years in on average. And at about 10 years, based on the replication rates of cancer, it's considered terminal. So was it really early detection? No. And, and listen, here's something that's interesting is that we oftentimes, the same people that will, that might be proponents of early detection, you know, get out there and get your screenings, go, you know, setting up mobile booths and really encouraging people and, and you know, posting about, hey, I'm getting my, my mammography right now, encouraging their friends on Facebook to go do it or just really, you know, the, those that cheer the loudest for it, a lot of times are the same people that will give us grief about why do you eat organic food? Why wouldn't you let your kids go to fast food? You know, why, like, like, why do you guys, what, what is getting, what does chiropractic care have to do with this? Why do you get adjusted? Why, you know, why, why do we have to come in? And, you know, uh, when you look at my x-ray and you're analyzing it and, and we're talking about, you know, what it's going to take to correct, um, the nervous system and the spine, you know, th- those might be the people that are, that are a little more hesitant to commit to correcting their spine. Um, and so what we're trying to walk you through right now is the logical disconnect between being a proponent of early like if you want to be a proponent of early detection then get on the train that we're talking about right now and that's changing your lifestyle so that these small cancer cells that are in your body never accumulate yeah, forget early detection get on get on early wellness get on early healing get on early function get like get your body in a state of healing now early Rather than early detection, why would you want to find out you have cancer after it's already been growing seven years when you could have been spending the last seven years eating the right things, exercising, getting adjusted, doing doing the right things to actually stop it ever from happening in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when you know, when you look at it and if it keeps doubling at 10 years, it's terminal. So if it keeps progressing, if it, if it builds to that after seven years and it keeps progressing and it's terminal at 10, then then. What are we talking about early detection after we know that like it's ba- it's really bad? I mean like let's talk about let's talk about the plan to never get you there to begin with. Let's talk about the plan to never put your kids in that position, to never put your family members in that position, to never put anybody you love in that position, and that's what we're here to like really drive home. Yeah. So I want to talk about a relationship really quick because when we talk about screening, one of the big ones we have to talk about is every October, you know, we talked about how our daughter's favorite color, pink, like everything's pink. She's going to love October. (laughs) But one of the things we're going to have to teach her when she grows up is how much we hate pink in October. Right. We love it every other time of the year, but we hate it in October. And here's why. You guys ready for this one? Uh, A company called Zeneca Pharmaceutical, a subsidiary of Imperial Chemical Industries, managed a blockbuster drug back in 1977 called tamoxifen. Um, some of you guys have heard of it. It's a cancer treatment drug. But did you guys know that t- tamoxifen is actually classified by the World Health Organization as a carcinogen? Come on. What is a carcinogen? Causes cancer. It's a chemical that's known to cause cancer. So tamoxifen, a treatment for cancer, does what? Causes cancer. Causes cancer. Oh, my gosh. And this isn't Dr. Ryan says. This is the World Health Organization. So the ICI, which is the Imperial Chemical Industries, the company, also produced millions of pounds of a vinyl chloride chemical annually, which uh, was an ingredient in plastics that's been directly linked to specifically breast cancer. Oh, my gosh. They spun off its pharmaceutical business in 93 to form the Zeneca Group PLC, which merged with the Astra AB Group to form 
AstraZeneca 1999. Here's where it gets good. You ready? The stated purpose of the National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which began in 1985, was to help the American Cancer Society and Zeneca promote the widespread adoption of x-ray mammography at annual screenings to prevent breast cancer. Why? Because what drug were they going to use when they found it? Tamoxifen. Oh, so who, who joined forces? The American Cancer Society and the makers of the number one cancer drug on the market, which also causes cancer. cancer. So a decade-old multi-million dollar deal between the National Breast Cancer Awareness Month sponsors and the empirical chemical industries has produced reckless information on breast cancer, and that is Dr. Samuel S. Epstein, head of the Cancer Prevention Coalition and professor at Emeritus of Environmental and Occupational Medicine, the University of Illinois School of Public Health. That's what he said. So all that aside, regular mammography as proposed by the National Breast Cancer Awareness Month may actually prevent nothing. And we'll give you the facts that in just a second. It may, in fact, be harmful. And based on recent research findings, probably not surprising to most people, is there the increase in this routine testing is causing a soaring number of new breast cancer diagnoses and an inevitable booth, uh, boost sorry, in uh, the sales of that- AstraZeneca's drugs oh like tamoxifen. Gosh. So um, how, do we, how do we get away with saying that? You know, how do we get away right. with saying that? Because that's one of the things we hear all the time on the radio is like, we just had a friend recently. They're like, how do, you, how do you guys say that? Aren't you afraid that blah, 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 blah? Well, here's one of the ways we say it. This came right out of the New England Journal of Medicine. Okay. So this is how we can say this because this is the truth. All I did now was just connect the dots between the two people who started breast cancer awareness, and I just told you that mammography may not be effective. Well, here's what the New England Journal of Medicine says. They indicated that x-ray mammography screenings save only one person for every 25,000 that are screened. Among those 25,000 that are screened, though, 1,000 will have a false positive on their test, meaning they'll be told that they might have cancer when they don't. 500 will undergo an unnecessary biopsy and have part of their breast can the part of their breast cut out even though it's not cancerous and 5 or more will be treated for the abnormal findings that would have never been a problem to begin with or been fatal so one person finds out they have cancer out of 2500 but over 5 are treated for cancer who don't have cancer With a drug, if they're lucky, that at best causes cancer or they go the route of cut, poison, burn, which could literally kill them. So the health risks from these invasive surgeries should be a major concern because of not only the extra stress or even exposure to toxins, medications, like things that when they go through these surgeries, they'll put them on things like antibiotics, et cetera, when they're healing. So it's just super dangerous. What is that? What is that? What do you think about when you hear that? So one in 2,500 get a mammogram, the radiation and mammography is dangerous, right? Right. Plus you're smashing the breast tissue and there's research that says quiescent or hidden quiet cancer cells that would never become a problem get smashed. And when they get smashed, they actually have a higher potential to spread without in the body and and to become even more dangerous. Right. And so we're smashing this breast tissue. We're exposing them to now unwarranted treatment. And we put five times the amount of people at more risk, more dangerous risk of like chemotherapy. 
right. than we originally were going to protect. Right. So overall, we're, we're at a very high net loss there in terms of who, who became more at risk versus who was actually saved from the treatment. And you know what's interesting is I, w- I was looking at this um, when I'm listening to you talk about just, you know, like the finan- like the financials behind it. It's like, is there really this much money involved that like two of these big organizations would come together and kind of plan on a month and, and you know, to drive sales? And, and, and he, l- let me just share with you a number breakdown that in 2010 – Okay, so we're going back a couple years. 2010, Americans spent $125 billion to treat cancer. Now, that's back then, and those numbers are climbing, right? Every year we have more we have more heart disease, more cancer, more drugs and surgery, more of everything, right? And as that climbs, that expenditure is expected to climb to, from $170 billion to $270 billion by 2020. Wow. All right. So this is going to be hard to wrap your guys' heads around, but I want you to think about this for a second. We said that the number one industry in the United States is no longer automotive. It's no longer in industry. It's no longer steel workers, coal miners, et cetera. It right. is drug companies, right. pharmaceuticals. And then on the heels of that are hospitals and on the, you know, right there are also insurance companies. So it's all medicalization, but the pharmaceutical companies are the worst. Their number one selling business their number one selling product is cancer treatment. So do you think that they're encouraged for cancer to go away? Nope. You ready? Chemotherapy is an incredibly lucrative business for doctors, hospitals, and pharmaceutical companies. As Dr. Glenn Warner, a Maryland oncologist, said recently, the medical establishment doesn't want to see the chemotherapy industry go under because it's way too lucrative. That's the number one obstacle to any progress in oncology. Direct quote. And that's, I mean, that's astounding. Going back, we talked a few weeks ago about pharmaceuticals on our episode. Go back and, and listen on uh, iTunes, search Align Your Health, pull up the podcast on Pharmacaea. Um, which is the Strong's Concordance 5331 out of the Bible, the word for witchcraft and sorcery. Um, same word where we get the word pharmaceutical. But we talked about how the maker of Merck wanted his drugs to be more like Wrigley's chewing gum. That way everyone could be on them. It, it sounds almost like they're getting their dream come true. Absolutely. And and right now our death toll from cancer is far too high to to not question whether our methods are really more profitable or effective. No, they're not effective. They're not effective because we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We talked about 2% uh, net gain as far as uh, you know treatment. So 2% people cut poison and burn survive. Now, there's some cancers that respond very well you know, to chemotherapy and surgery. Um, you know, prostate cancer, if you, cut, if you cut out the prostate soon enough, certain, like certain ones respond very well. Certain ones respond poorly, but across the board, 2%. And uh, that's just one of the stats we're going to go over. Hey, if you guys are interested in where to give your money, don't give it to Coleman. Don't give it to, you know, the National Cancer Institute. They're probably going to, you know, want to take us off the radio for this one. <laughs> but uh, here's where you do give it. Give it to the in- Independent Cancer Research Foundation. They're literally the ones not influenced by drugs, or not influenced by pharma. They're doing independent research. Independent mean not attached to the drug companies. And they're figuring out what in the world's actually going on. You want to give it to another one? Give it to the World Cancer Research Fund. 
Um, they look into things like exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, and how that's affecting cancer. Give it to that. When the person at the checkout says, hey, do you want to donate blah, 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 so you can get a pink, I don't know, crappy thing to put on your shirt or a right. ribbon or whatever. No, the answer is no. I'm going to give my money where it matters most. Get, on, get online and watch a, a video called Rethinking Cancer by foodmatters.tv and also go to go to Ty Bollinger's website and watch the truth about uh, the truth about cancer. Keep listening cuz we're going to give you some awesome stuff. Give us a call at 513-755-3583 and make sure you get online at um drryanlive.com, click on speaking and sign up for our upcoming cancer event and immunity workshop. More next in just a minute on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey, everybody. Dr. Ryan, we're talking uh, conventional cancer treatments. We're talking about how to heal and get well from cancer. And we're just talking about the conventional treatments. And, you know, I think here, here's the thing, Ash. We, we, we're going kind of hard at it for a minute there. And I just want to take a step back. And say, if you're frustrated right now, like we, we feel your frustration. Right. That's why we're talking about this. Because I think, honestly, probably everyone who's listening at some point in time, like, I think the reason most people are scared of cancer isn't just the cancer. I think they're scared. They're actually scared of going under treatment. Yeah. Because they see people losing their hair. They see, they like, you, like, you can't deny that you look at someone going through chemo and they, they're like, they look horrible. We have a friend going through cancer treatment right now, and the doctor literally said the point of this uh, treatment is we're going to bring you to the brink of death and then try to bring you back before, and, you know, get rid of the cancer, but try to bring you back to life before the cancer or before the treatment has a chance to kill you entirely. So, I mean, like, I don't think, I think people are more scared, honestly. Absolutely. Of having to go through cancer treatment. Absolutely. And, and I, I listen, I remember, I remember February of 2007 when my mom received a cancer diagnosis, a breast cancer diagnosis. And honestly, it, t- it was, it took us all for, sh- for completely out of the met. blue. We had ju- you and I had just met. Um, and it, it shocked everyone in our family because, um, it wasn't like, it was completely unexpected. It was completely out of the blue. She had a, um, a skin, you know, a biopsy and, and she had a very rare form of a weird breast cancer. And, um, she had zero inclination until she received a call from her doctor that said, Hey, you have breast cancer that she was going to have a breast cancer diagnosis. I mean, literally she thought she had just like a weird skin patch on her skin and then, you know, received that. And so I think the biggest thing for our entire family was that we were completely unprepared for it. And then we immediately in our minds had to make decisions, had to make decisions, had to think through worst case scenarios, had to think through like, you know, what, what is this all going to, and then, and then uh, listen, like you can, you can send flowers and and make casseroles and, and do all kinds of things for other people when, when, they have a cancer diagnosis. Do you, this is just real, 100% real. Do you know what my mom still to this day says one of the worst things about her cancer diagnosis was? What's that? Was having to reassure everyone else who found out she was diagnosed with breast cancer that she was going to be okay. She said it was literally exhausting reassuring everybody else. Hey, and having the conversation over and over again. Having How'd the conversation you find over yeah, when it, you know, how to happen? I don't know. Like they literally, you know what I mean? Like it's exhausting having that conversation. And talk about again. the mental toll it takes on you to yeah. over and over and Stress, over label emotions. yourself as a cancer person. You know, talk well, about just saying the word cancer. Like when people yes. find out you have cancer and they keep saying it, saying the word cancer over and over and over again. I, I mean, I use this example all the time for anybody who's tried to quit smoking or quit drinking or or something like that. Like part like part of the reason people are so unsuccessful with it is because. They'll, 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 you know, 
talk about not smoking and that they're quitting smoking and that um, they're trying not to smoke or they're, you know, whatever. But the one word that keeps getting said, smoke, 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 smoke. Yeah, smoke. So here yep. you are, you're addicted yep. to cigarettes and your brain all, keeps hearing smoking, smoking, smoking. Oh, it's when like, people can, used smoking, to come into yeah, the gym. Yeah, yeah. I'd love one. Yeah. Smoking. Yep, <laughs> please. Pass one to me. So your brain's came gonna, in, yep. You remember this. When people came into our gym for years and years and years, we, we stopped telling them what they couldn't eat and just started pushing like, here's all the things you have to eat in a day. And yep. they, they couldn't fit in the yeah. other things anymore. Yep. And yep. so we, we, we talked had, about additions of, uh, or principles of addition versus principles of subtraction. Right. And so the same thing's true. In fact, um, you know, I mean, so when you get a cancer diagnosis, one of the best things you can do is stop using the freaking C word <laughs> and start talking about healing. Yeah. And that's why I love chiropractic is because with chiropractic, the whole conversation is around healing. Yes. So like switch out the C word, yep. use you know, chiropractic. Yes. But, but in reality, the whole yes. conversation, the reason why people get so well in our office is is number one because we're removing the interference, but because the entire conversation, the entire methodology, the entire philosophy, the entire treatment, the science, the art form, everything is around getting people healing. Yep. And so we don't talk about the condition. In fact, we don't diagnose them with anything other than finding out if they have interference in their nervous system. And if they do, we talk about the positive thing we can do to correct it, which is adjustment, 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 adjustment. We don't say over and over subluxation, 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 nerve interference, nerve interference. We talk right. about adjustment, powers on, adjustment, powers on. You're yep. healing. Why? Yep. Because that's what's happening. Every time they get adjusted, their nervous system's healthier, their power's on, their body's able to heal. And so it's just such an important thing. No matter what you do in cancer diagnosis, you got you to move away from talking about the condition. Absolutely. So one of the great challenges in using things like chemotherapy and radiation is that they're incapable of selectively harming bad cells, leaving the good ones intact. Right. So in our modern warfare, the decision to strike is often based on deciding how much collateral damage to civilian populations is deemed acceptable in wars and stuff like that. Well, that's that's like kind of what's happening in our bodies, how many healthy cells will have to die in order to blast the cancer? Last week, I talked about throwing a hand grenade in a room full of rats. You know, you'll kill the rats, but you destroy the room and, 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 you know, as well. Yep. And so the room's your body and the rats are the cancer cells, except for, you know, I, we don't look at cancer cells that way. Right. We don't right. look at them as an enemy to attack. We look right. at them as uh, rogue cells that have learned how to survive in an environment that we created. Um, but... Let's talk about con conventional medicine has three basic treatments, which are cut, poison, burn. So cut, surgery, poison, chemotherapy, burn, radiation. Go, 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 into, go into surgery a little bit because, you know, surgeries, out of the three, it's, it's definitely the most desirable. Right, right. And it's the only one that my mom did. <laughs> Nobody wants to go under yeah. the knife. <laughs> no. Think about this. Nobody wants to go under the knife ever. Right. But when it comes to cancer treatment... You only want to go under the knife if possible. Right. No, it is. It, it For us, I mean, you know, I, for our family and for my mother, it, it was the one of the traditional things that she did. Um, it was the one that she selected and it was the only one that she selected to do. Um, and, you know, it's it's really one of the first options among the conventional cancer weapons. Um, if it's if the tumor's grown too big, if it's blocking a vital organ, if time is of the essence, then, you know, you need you may need to remove it. And and, you know, some of the big questions for our family when that when my mom was going under surgery is can the doctors get it all out? 
right? And if they can, does it really eliminate the cause of like, why did, why is it there? Why did my mom have breast cancer? All right. So rather, rather than, yeah, so that may have been a question of yours back then, but I'm going to re-ask that question to you. Sure. Does it really eliminate the cause? No, it absolutely 100% did not eliminate the cause. No, no, no. But I'm, but I'm saying, yeah. So, I mean, you're right. Right. But the, because the tumor is not the cause. The tumor is not the cause. Nope. So you cut out the tumor. And I mean, here's the reality. And anybody who has a family member that has cancer or if you've battled with cancer yourself, and again, we don't mean to, but what a cancer survivor's biggest uh, worry fear. is, yeah, sure. fear or worry, yep. is getting cancer again. Because right. innately they know the tumor wasn't the cancer. Right. Right. The tumor was a manifestation of cancer developing. Right. But they know that like... There's more, there's like, where did that just come from? And why, why did I get this and not, you know, yeah. Joe Schmo down the street and, or, you know, like whoever, whoever else. Right. So, um, cutting out the tumor definitely addresses an immediate need, but it doesn't attempt to rid the body of what caused the tumor in the first place. And without that, then what is the, what's to stop cancer from coming back like it does for so many people. And I think that that's a huge fear. The good news is we're going to be going over some of that and just talking and getting to the bottom of this. So we've already talked, you know, last week. Go back and listen to last week again. If you li- Honestly, if you listen to it, go re-listen to it. It's really amazing. Go re-listen to it because, I mean, I think it's so powerful to wrap your heads around, you know, that no person is truly cancer-free. Right. And so just being fearful of cancer, like, that's not the, the goal. The goal is to, to build your body up and become a cancer killer. Right. Which right. you already are. But we have to go back to to getting getting our health back if we've lost it. And really, we should all be acting in accordance with the fact that we know that there are cancer cells in our bodies and we need to create environments for them not to thrive and for the healthy cells to thrive. So like 100% of people that are living on the planet Earth need to be acting in accordance with that principle, right? And so if you want to listen to that uh, that that show from last week and you didn't catch it or you just want to re-listen to it again, go on iTunes, check out Align Your Health, or you can go on our website um, at drryanlive.com and you can click on podcasts and check that out. Absolutely. We have a cancer event coming up. If you're just tuning in and you haven't heard us um, say this, we have a cancer event coming up. It's on October... Fourth, is that right? October fourth. Yeah. October fourth. Doors open at six. Events start sharply at six thirty. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be all kinds of people there, um, vendors, uh, different different stuff. But anyway, you guys are going to walk out with some power, powerful stuff. It's not just on cancer. It's really on building a strong immune system. So we're going to talk about like you know autoimmunity and and different things. But we're going to talk about how to build a strong immune system. What things not to do. What things to do. You know, again, we're not going down the road of like how to treat cancer. We're going down the road of how to build up a strong body that's right. capable of beating cancer. Right. So if you're interested in registering for that same website, Dr. Ryan Live, click on speaking and you'll see uh, see the event there and you can get uh, signed up for it. Make sure you invite your friends, invite your family, share it on Facebook. There should be a, a link there if you go to the sign up page to be able to share it. Um, share it on Facebook, share with your friends. The more we can get this word out, man, um, you know, we just need people to be confident because here's the thing. Let's go in. You did a wonderful job there, Ash, of talking about surgery. I think, you know, that's obviously the one area where if you can cut it out, cut it out, but then you got to still get to treating the reason it's there. But chemo, little different story. So this is Alan Nixon, PhD, former uh, president of American Chemical Society said, as a chemist trained to interpret data, it's incomprehensible to me that physicians can ignore the clear evidence that chemotherapy does much, much more harm than good. Wow. 
former president of the American Cancer Society. No, American Chemical Society. Chemical Society so he's me. a chemist. He understands chemicals better than doctors understand chemicals, That's right? Amazing. This guy, this guy, he, you know, he's not a doctor who's being told what drugs are approved, not approved, right, and doesn't right. know much about chemistry per se. He's literally a chemist, understands the chemical uh, effects of, of chemotherapy. Many of the most commonly used forms of chemotherapy target the fastest replicating cells. So, you know, this is interesting because some cancers aren't fast replicating, right? So chemo usually targets the fast replicating cells, tricking them into incorporating deadly chemicals into their DNA. So they, they figure out how to get these chemicals into the DNA and then blocking some key part of the machinery of the DNA replication so that the cancer cell can't keep replicating. Does that make sense? I saying that right? I mean, you understand what I'm... So they, they literally try to poison the DNA into not being able to replicate Oof. so that the cell can't keep growing, replicating, and making more cancer cells. Right. So it's literally poison. So, you know, I just ask, you know, would it surprise you to learn that the idea from, you know, chemotherapy uh, literally was born out of the use of mustard gas as a weapon during World War One. It literally began as an agent of death, and scientists saw how well it worked on the body's fastest-growing cells, and cancer fit that description. So we started utilizing it. Um, John Rockefeller was one of the, the first who started utilizing it back in uh, you know, the early 1900s. And, um, and, and if you want to do, do some research on uh, the company— Truth about cancer. Yeah, watch really the truth well. about cancer, yep. Ty Bollinger, but also do, do a little research and read up on his company— um, called AG Farben, and where their one of their first testing sites was uh, during the World War. Um, one of them was actually called Auschwitz, where they were testing mustard gas. And it's pretty crazy when you read the history of cancer and how it started. But you know what's interesting here is that I like the comparison because I feel like this this I I really like this walked me through this comparison really well. Is that um, the same way that like everybody knows that bleach can kill bacteria. So if you had a bacterial infection and we said, hey, go drink a cup of bleach and it'll ki- kill that bacterial infection that you have inside of you, would you do that? No, no, not at all. I mean, it would, literally it would you know, burn my esophagus, kill me. Right, right. And so this is, this is the same road that we're going down when we yeah. use chemotherapy. So it makes you wonder why someone would consent to such a treatment. You know, the problem is when you're scared, you sometimes will take an alternative that conventional medicine's offering because, you know, just in reality, there's no, there, you don't feel like there's any security, you know, or, or hope in that scenario. And so someone offers you an alternative or, or a treatment and you think, oh, you know, this is going to help me. But the reality is that chemotherapy does and doesn't kill cancer. And so we're going to discuss that and really talk about uh, the effects of chemotherapy and radiation and what to be doing otherwise Or what to be doing even if you're in that. Like, say you are going to go through chemotherapy. We're going to talk about what to do and what the evidence says to really support your body. Uh, You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Ryan Berlin. You're listening to 55KRC, the talk station. This is Align Your Health. We're talking cancer. We are talking conventional treatments. And I just want you to know our goal isn't to paralyze you. Our goal isn't to freak you out. Our goal isn't, but our goal is to talk about the reality and uh, to talk about really, you know, what's going on and to also tell you like our job isn't to tell you what treatment to do. Nope. Our job is to steer you in the, in the direction of great resources. Our job is also to show you that, 
You know, the U.S. is actually doing a pretty terrible job when it comes to cancer. We have more of it than anyone, and we have some of the worst survival rates of anyone. Um, one of our friends went over for treatment to Maribel, Spain, and sought out Dr. Helu. We have people that have gone to Toronto, Ontario, Clinical Biomedicine, Oasis of Healing in Mesa, Arizona, Nevada, Nevada Center of Alternative and Anti-Aging Medicine in Carson City, Oasis of Hope in Tijuana, Scottsdale, Arizona, New Hope Medical Center. Some great centers out there. I mean, Century Wellness in uh, Reno. And, uh, you know, what was the the one, the Gerson, Gerson yep. uh, Institute or whatever? Yep. Just some amazing centers. So I just want you guys to know that you have alternatives. Like, we don't want this big medical machine and the medical mafia to convince you that, like, you have to go in that direction. And also understand that your body is your own. You have choices and uh, even though sometimes, like, they may be trying to take some of those choices away from us, right. um, the reality is you still have those choices. So uh, if you do have cancer or if you have a family member with cancer and they are going through chemo radiation, we want to talk to you for a few minutes about how to support that and give you some hope. And one of the best ways we know how is chiropractic care. Absolutely. Dr. Ron Piro, New York uh, Institute of Preventative Medicine. He is the chief of cancer research there. He also teaches at New York uh, University, I believe. He did a study on um, elderly patients, geriatric patients, who received chiropractic care. They received it every other week for five years. And what he showed was that uh, cancer patients had... Um, so, so patients who didn't have cancer had immune systems that were functioning 200% higher than cancer patients. But his patients that they put under chiropractic care for five years had 200% higher functioning immune systems than the healthy people and 400% higher than the cancer patients. And a lot of this is attributed to chemicals in our bloodstream like serum thiol and interleukin and um, chemicals that literally are measured in cancer. And we can measure these in chiropractic patients show that long-term chiropractic care, there's a, there's a higher amount. There's research that shows there's higher antibody releases immediately following a chiropractic adjustment. There are studies that show that there's higher white blood cell counts, specifically your killer cells and your T cells that destroy cancer, and they're higher directly after chiropractic adjustment. So it's not because, the, you know, here's the thing, Ash, it's not because chiropractic is magically boosting your immune system. No. It's no. that your immune system's supposed to be functioning like that. Right. And that subluxation and stress on the spine is stressing our immune system. And so chiropractic patients are the ones who are, have more normally functioning nervous systems, therefore more normally functioning immune systems. Yes. And they're able to express their cancer-killing innate genetics. Right. And, and listen, God created us to live life abundantly. So if you, hear, if you hear that, what's the phone number they should be calling? Absolutely. It's 513-755-3583. Thanks. Cause I think I was about to give out my cell phone number again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did, that, did that once we had to edit that out. Um, but that you give us a call and uh, also make sure you're coming to our event. So I want to, I want to one more. We ended last segment with does chemotherapy kill cancer? And the answer to that's yes and no. Cancer cells that are rapidly growing and are weaker, uh, they're weaker than normal cells. Um, the hope is that chemotherapy can get to these cells first, but everyone's cancer is different. And that's why two people with the same cancer given the same chemotherapy may uh, respond pro- profoundly different. 
so Dr. Ralph Moss, who is an author of eight books on cancer treatment, okay, eight, eight different books. He's a graduate of New York University. He's got his BA there. He was cum laude there. Uh, Stanford University and in, in 1973 graduated PhD there and his, and, uh, his MA there as well. Having reviewed thousands of studies as part of his research for his books, he had not found a single study, not one, showing that chemotherapy actually cures cancer or even extends life as to a significant degree as the public believes. And you, you said this. You said if you were to go around and ask the general public if they think cancer is an effective treatment or, or chemotherapy is an effective treatment for cancer, what would they say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now at Kenwood Mall out of the studio. I can see Kenwood Mall. If I went to Kenwood Mall, I stood in that mall and I asked, you know, 100 people walking through the mall, is chemotherapy an effective cure for cancer? I, I, I'm guessing 97 of them would say a resounding yes. But Ralph Moss says nope. And that's after... I mean, and, and, you know, you and I and the general public haven't read thousands of studies, but he has. And he says, nope, doesn't extend life, doesn't doesn't actually not really effect, effective. In 2004, the Journal of Oncology published a study about chemotherapy success rates in Australia and the U.S. over a five year period. And they concluded that when looking at the, you know, just how many cancer patients were still alive after five years, the overall contribution of chemotherapy was about two percent. In Australia, it was about uh, two, it was 2.3 in, in Australia and 2.1 in the U.S. So 2% of people were still you know, living Oof. after five years. Here's the crazy thing is that's after five years. Take that out to seven. Take that out to 10, right? Yes. Yep. Chemotherapy is really a dangerous assault on our body. And, and the thing is that after and during it, our bodies have to overcome damage from the chemo along with the cancer. You know, yes. Dr. Hilu, who's one of our favorites, that's who our friends went to see in Spain. We have two friends that, um, you know, uh, had stage four cancer diagnosis and did very well after um, seeing Dr. Hilu. He says you must destroy the abnormal growth at the stem cell level to avoid the return of cancer. And that's another reason that chemotherapy can be a complete failure, because in order to reach the stem cell level, the person would have to die. Oof. So like, you know, Dr. Major said, throwing a grenade in a room full of rats, the animals will die, but what's left of the room? And what happens if a few end up, you know, wounded and still alive, a few of those cells? What, are you going to throw another grenade in the room? Yeah, exactly. So let's go to radiation. This is uh, probably the, you know, th this one gets used quite a bit too. We talk about this less, but, you know, here, here's the thing. I have a question about radiation, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to cut you off here, but, but just from a foundational perspective, doesn't too much radiation cause cancer? I mean, I remember when I was little, my mom being like, get away from the microwave. There's radiation coming yeah. out of there. You'll get yeah. cancer. Like, it would be nice if it just turned us into superheroes like Spider-Man. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, and so that's why like in my office, we're very careful when we use x-ray. We use the most sensitive type of x-ray we could possibly get our hands on. Um, we, we test that we send in our radiation badges and, and we, our levels on our people shooting the x-ray has been undetectable. So it's really neat when it comes to some people wow. are worried about that when they come into a chiropractic office, sure. but we actually, yeah. so what's really dangerous CT scans, which they use to diagnose cancer, yeah. tons of radiation, Ugh. pet scans, radioactive sugar that they put in your body and then subject you to the testing. So they light up all that radiation, but guess what? Guess what feeds off the sugar? Cancer. Cancer. So the PET scan, they're giving you radioactive cancer. They're feeding the sugar, the cancer cells exactly what they want, sugar, making them stronger. Right. And then they're actually giving you radioactive sugar on top of that. So 
Yeah. Similar to the chemotherapy, when it comes to side effects, it, it will weaken your immune system. It burns all the surrounding tissue and really uh, you know, destroys the entire healing process. Radiation therapy is known to induce secondary cancers by creating more mutated cells. For example, a woman whose breast could be um, irradiated uh, is more likely to develop lung cancer because the lungs lay directly behind the breast. So you destroy right. the breast cancer, but now you create lung cancer. Right. That makes sense. When the average pancreatic, uh, pancreatic cancer patient using standard chemotherapy and radiation protocols lives no more than six months, you know, shouldn't we say that, the, should we say that the cancer killed them or was it really the treatments? Oh, that's good. You know, because the yeah. standard operating procedure is to write off the patient's death to um, an exceptionally aggressive form of cancer. However, it may have been the cure that transformed a relatively slow-growing tumor into a rapidly proliferating, really damaging, invasive one. Right. So radiation, I mean, really burning the cells with radioactive energy um, even though it may work, it's really an ineffective, uh, you know, treatment for curing cancer. Now, now, I mean, are there times that you might be able to minimize that and, and get to it? And, you know, you have to ask your doctor, you know, what are the chances of me not, you know, uh, destroying this? What are the chances of, uh, you know, what, what other organs are behind there that could be damaged? And you have to ask those challenging questions. So, hey, Ash, we're going to go into next week about conventional treatments we're gonna t- or unconventional treatments. We're going to talk about some of the things that we should be doing, how to build a healthy body to resist cancer. Um, we can also talk next week a little bit about pr- protecting yourself from the damaging effects of chemotherapy. Right. Some of the, some of the things you've been studying when it right. comes to... Um, you know, epigenetics and nutrition and that type of stuff. Right. But really right now, let's talk about, you know, if you do choose chemotherapy, if you do choose radiation, radiation, there's really two things. We've got a few minutes left. Let's talk about the, the two, one being a test and one being a therapy that you don't hear about a lot in the United States because not conventional, but you can have it done. Yes. Yes. Go over that test because I, I love, you know, if you, if you, if you um, are looking for something, um, Outside of conventional, these are two good ones, I think. Right, and 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 listen, if you're if you're doing chemo radiation, you can still take measures to reduce negative effects and increase your chances of surviving this treatment. So, um, number one, the chemo uh, the chemo sensitivity test. Right, so if you're going to get a chemotherapy sensitivity test to determine which chemotherapy will actually kill your version of cancer, Ooh. so this is done with a specialized Greek or German blood test, right? And this involves harvesting the cancer cells out of your blood, breaking them down um, genetically, and then finding out which markers are compatible with treatment of your specific cancer, right? So, um, so like, like, you know, in a larger view of things, you might someone, you know, you might get tested, you might find out that you have ovarian cancer, right? And then your doctor or or the person who is doing this Greek or German blood test can actually break down and say, what specific type of ovarian cancer yeah, do you yeah. have? Is and it, how can your body react? Yeah, is right? it chemi- is it, is it, was it caused by chemicals? Was it caused by hormonal issues? Like, what are its genetic predispositions? Right, right. This really, this really isn't a typical approach in the U.S. because we don't look at an individual's cancer. We look at the category of cancer to see which drugs have worked best in the, in the category in the past. So we look at the cancer categorically, not the patient. Yes. Oh, that's 
we could sit on that for a while. And then but, the other one right. was uh, we were talking about in- insulin potentiation therapy. So you may want to tar- consider doing a targeted chemotherapy. Targeted chemotherapy or insulin potentiation therapy. This is a neat approach. The patient's injected first with some insulin to lower their blood sugar levels. Cancer cells have lots of receptor sites for sugar. So the cancer needs sugar to survive. And indeed, cancer thrives on sugar. So as soon as there's low sugar in the blood, the cancer cells begin to starve. Because the cancer is starving and has to have sugar to survive, immediately the patient's injected with a small fractionated amount of exact chemotherapy that matched their cancer. Because the cancer is starving, it eats up the chemotherapy and the cancer has the potential to be killed. This way, the chemotherapy can be targeted towards a cancer cell. That's why it's called targeted chemotherapy. Conventional medicine literally spent years trying to figure out how to get the chemotherapy focused on just the cancer cells so that there's less damage to the rest of the body. And now there is a way, but it's not necessarily being used widely in the U.S. right now. The side effects are minimal with IPT compared to regular chemo, and the patient rarely loses all their hair. Um, so if you want more information on this, there's a list of doctors who specialize in IPT. Go to www.ipt4cancer.com. And most of these doctors are also very familiar with what Ashley talked about, the Greek and German testing as well. So for this week, that's it, you guys. We appreciate you. Love you. Appreciate you. Praying for anyone out there that's just really dealing with this. Absolutely. But promise me you'll turn in, tune, turn in, tune in next week and also come to our event. You're listening to Align Your Health on 55KRC, the talk station.